rocketed from a distant planet to a bold new destiny on Earth. Found by a Kansas family and raised as Clark Kent, he learned he possessed the strength of steel, the speed of light, and the desire to help all mankind. He is Superboy. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 202 of the Man of Screen podcast. I am your host, Mike Zumo, and this episode I'm going to finish what I started in episode 201, finishing off the two-part episode Threesome, and a standalone episode Out of Luck, in which uh, a criminal obtains a coin that seems to not only bring him good luck, but bring bad luck to his perceived enemies, so... We have that to look forward to. We have the unfortunate breakup of the threesome two-parter over two of my episodes that nothing you can do about that, just kind of the way the episodes fell. Fortunately, that is the only two-parter of this show in which that has happened. And honestly, with 100 episodes and all the two-parters this show gave us, it's pretty amazing that it only happened once, now that I think about it. So, before I get to the business of this week's episode, you know, this is probably about the... Uh, three-quarter mark of season four there are 22 episodes this is episodes 15 and 16 so we are coming uh toward the end of my coverage of this show and kind of another uh completed check mark on the journey of this podcast so uh before i get to that i have feedback to address feedback here is from dave mcelvenny dave's writing in on man of screen episode 191 and dave writes greetings mike I enjoyed these two episodes more than I would have expected. For me, once you've been a, you've seen Superboy deal with a vampire, a werewolf doesn't seem to be much of a threat, and Metallo, although a hammy delight played by Michael Callan, is probably going to be depowered for a court appearance. Of course, we know better once we see the episodes. Werewolf did a good job of misdirecting the audience by giving us Canaris as a likely suspect for the werewolf at first, and then switching to Christina Riley. Even then, we could easily be distracted by the earlier assertion that once a werewolf dies his victims would be cured of the curse. We learned, though, that Christina hasn't read the right books. I liked the idea that it was Clark, not Superboy, who had the chance to calm the werewolf down. That reminded me that back in the Silver Age, Batman had a foe called the Blockbuster. A teenager mutated into a giant hulking monster of tremendous strength and endurance, but little brain power, who had been manipulated by his criminal brother into hating Batman and committing crimes. The teen had been rescued at one point by Bruce Wayne, so Batman discovered that Bruce Wayne not Batman, would calm him down. An earlier case of the hero's ordinary identity being able to help when the heroic identity couldn't. As I mentioned, it's always fun to see Michael Callan chew up the scenery as Metallo, although he seemed to do less of that in this episode, showing more of his scheming, manipulative side. It was good to see, again, the ordinary people inspired by Superboy's example taking Metallo on and holding him accountable, even though their own lives were in danger, and Superboy himself told them to give Metallo what he wanted. Like you, I want Superboy to be that inspirational character who motivates people to do the right thing. And that was quite satisfying. I'm looking forward to the Jackson-centric story and an appearance by Lex Luthor in the next episode. Live long and prosper, Dave McElvenny. So I thank you, Dave, for writing in as always. Uh, the Werewolf episode was one that I remembered from the time the original show was aired. 
you know, I kind of have a spotty memory with uh, with the show being that it was so long ago, and I hadn't seen any of these episodes since their air date, for the most part. And even the ones I really remembered well, I hadn't seen in forever also, as those videotapes are long since gone. But the werewolf episode was memorable, because especially because that was around the time that Universal was opening. I think it only opened a year or so before that. So that was a big deal at the time. I remember the uh, Back to the Future Part 3 VHS tape having a little commercial for Universal Studios on it. And that movie came out in 1991. So this episode probably came out around the time that Back to the Future Part 3 came out on VHS. So, But the one thing that was memorable was uh, Matt buying the uh, silver bullet and Clark having to take down or try to talk down Christina, who uh, was the werewolf. And I always knew that, even watching it now, Christina was the werewolf. I remembered that misdirection from watching the show decades ago. The thing is, it's only a misdirection for a few minutes because Canaris is killed around the 12 or so minute mark. So you almost know there has to be another werewolf just to uh, fill out the remainder of the episode. And again, it of course, uh, it's the woman Clark is seeing just because that's kind of the way these things go. Sometimes it's coincidence on top of coincidence. And as far as uh, the comics criminal blockbuster, while I do remember blockbuster, I don't think I remember this one, although I think I remember references to him. I believe by the time I started reading comics, especially uh, 99% of my Batman reading is post-crisis. I really haven't read much pre-crisis Batman at all. You know, I've read the big stuff. You know, the Joker's five-way revenge and... Things like that. I do remember a blockbuster story appearing in the greatest Batman stories ever told collection, which is over there in the bookshelf, but it's been forever since I've read that one as well, and I don't remember the details. But the blockbuster I remember for the most part was a Nightwing villain that might have been the criminal brother who manipulated the first blockbuster. And he was uh, quite the nemesis to, uh, to Dick Grayson and Nightwing. But yeah, I do like the uh, instance for once that it shows Clark is useful and not... Uh, necessarily Superboy. I would have liked to have seen what would have happened if Matt didn't show up, but it looks like the were- the werewolf was too agitated to be calmed down by Clark, even by Clark. And uh, yeah, it's always fun to uh, see Michael Callan choose the scenery as Metallo. He's one thing he's very good at. And uh, he does seem to do a little less of it, but he still does some. Definitely scheming and manipulative. But again, you know, this show is not afraid to display the effect Superboy has on people and how he inspires them to do great things also. They could have easily caved to Metallo, let Superboy die to save themselves, and no one probably would have blamed them for doing what they did, least of all him, but they did the right thing because that's the example he sets. I've harped on that enough during the coverage of this episode, so I don't think I need to continue with that. Right now, I'm going to take a quick break, play a podcast promo. When I come back, threesome, part two. Hang around, folks. The Fire and Water Podcast Network is a collection of super friends plus shag. So what could be more appropriate than a podcast about the super friends? It's For All Mankind, a Super Friends podcast, a read-through show about the classic DC comic book series covering all 47 issues of the original run, plus a few surprises. Hosted by me, Rob Kelly, and a rotating group of my Super Friends. Coming soon from the Fire and Water Podcast Network. It all looks good to me. All right, welcome back, folks. We're going to start things off with 
Threesome, Part 2. Original broadcast date, February 16th, 1992. Directed by Dave Nutter. Written by Stan Berkowitz. Guest cast includes Sherman Howard as Lex Luthor. Justina Vale as Dr. Odessa Vexman. Michael Callan as John Corbin slash Metallo. David Hess as Donnie. Ed Armatrudo as Trenton. And James Ellie as Roy. And our synopsis is brought to you by Wikipedia. After nearly being destroyed by the trio, Superboy has come up with a plan to round them up before destruction ensues. He returns to his hometown of Smallville where he finds a new casino. It's causing problems in town. From all over the Midwest now, the locals are lining up. The place is going crazy. I'm telling you, it's going to be another Vegas. Watch me. No, it's not. Not if I can help it. Uh, Do I know you? Lana Lang. I used to live here. Hi, uh, Bill Trenton. I I think you had me confused with somebody else. No, no, you're responsible for this. Well, if if by this you mean revitalizing Smallville's economy, then uh, yes, I am responsible. No, I mean turning it into a cesspool. Look, (laughs) Lana. I know the concerns of the locals, and I'm going to respect them. I mean, everything is totally up and up. Everything is totally above board here, okay? I mean, there's even a $100 a day limit. Come on. <laughs> Nobody's going to get burned here. What about the bars, topless clubs, and, and X-rated theaters you want to build? We've been to the city planners on. All right, hold, hold it. Wait a second, okay? This place would be a ghost town if it wasn't for me. Nothing but a bunch of foreclosed farms and families on welfare. The town needed money fast? This is how you get it. There are other ways. Yeah, hey, uh, Miss Lang. What's it to you? You don't even live here anymore, do you? They stole my money! Every cent of it! Listen, pal. We've had this discussion. Now you take care of this thing quick. Don't make me do something you're gonna regret. Clear? Roy, put the gun down. They're all crooks. They ain't crooks. You just don't know beans about poker, that's all. Now put the gun down before somebody gets hurt. I'll tell you who's gonna get hurt. My family. I got a mortgage due, I'm gonna lose my house. Why don't you tell me where my family's gonna go, huh? You stay away from me. You don't wanna do that. I've lost everything. It isn't worth it. It's only a few hundred dollars. A few hundred? Try a few thousand. They have limits. Every place has got limits. And when you hit it in one place, the next place will be more than happy to take you to the limit again. About $6,000 in two weeks. Roy, they were wrong. But this isn't the way to... It's the only way. Casino's order, Mr. Trenton, calls on the services of Luthor, Metallo, and Odessa to get Superboy out of the way, which leads to a Western-style showdown from the streets of Smallville. With the help of Lana, Superboy gets the three villains fighting amongst themselves, leading to their downfall. Alright, so... This episode picks up exactly where the other one leaves off. Superboy going deaf and dying from the kryptonite. Metallo is holding the kryptonite on him. Luthor has got his uh, little sound device and Odessa is just sitting there laughing. You know, that evil cackle that women do sometimes. So Lex is going to keep his device on indefinitely since humans can't hear the sound it emits. And 
As long as he leaves it on, Superboy will stay out of town. And that is exactly what happens. So now Clark is in what I thought was his apartment. But then now that I think about it, how could he stay in his apartment if uh, Lex's device is ringing in his ears and driving him nuts? But instead, he is home at the Kent Farm. His parents are out of town, presumably at the state capitol, uh, arguing against uh, what Mr. Trenton has done with his uh, poker parlor and casinos. I initially thought, when I thought he was in Capital City, he was playing music to uh, drown out Luther's device. But actually, what he's doing is he's using the music to work on earplugs, which doesn't actually go anywhere because it isn't what he comes up with. And uh, the music is on, and Lana knocks at the door. You know, at first, you know, when I thought this was his apartment, I thought, you know, maybe one of his neighbors was knocking on the door, presumably to yell at him to keep it down. But, you know, I don't think that the heavy metal is uh, Clark style, but he puts his science project away at super speed and you know, i just love the super speed effect with the blur that this show does and uh he answers the door and that's when i realized watching this episode that uh clark is in smallville because that's where lana is and here is lana at the door so this is uh going to draw clark into the poker parlor problem clark didn't know about it right away but lana is uh saying that the developer mr trenton wants to make smallville into another vegas which, to be honest, that would take years. Lana is acting like this is going to take five minutes. So this guy's name is Bill Trenton, and he says he's uh, revitalizing the economy. He's uh, trying to uh, convince uh, her that no one's going to be hurt. Clark uh, asks Trenton about the Triple X clubs on the topless bars, which is probably the first time I've ever heard those things mentioned in a Superman-related uh, property. I would have been surprised if one showed up in a Zack Snyder film, but, you know... Just to see the concept mentioned in this show is, well, surprising to say the least. And uh, now there's uh, some shooting going on inside the casino. You know, right after uh, Trenton uh, told Clark that everything is safe, we have shooting going on. There's a $100 limit. That's what well, that's what uh, Trenton tells Clark. And then we learn that, uh, no, uh, this gentleman who's about to shoot himself, he lost $6,000 in two weeks. And... and by now, Clark has changed into Superboy, which, you know, he, obviously wherever he is, he's going to help. I'm not sure appearing in public as Superboy is the brightest idea in the world right now. That's something I thought of while this was happening. You know, maybe he didn't think about Luthor and them in Capital City. I did. Of course, I also knew that plotline had to be resolved in the uh, course of this episode, so I didn't forget about it. And... This is where Superboy learns that Trenton is not what he appears, and the limits are not true. If he lost, a little hard to lose $6,000 in two weeks if uh, there's a $100 limit. And how many of these things went up in such a short time? So Superboy calls this guy by his first name, Roy, and I'm not sure if he heard the first name or, you know, I know how he knows the first name, but somebody keen of ear would have picked that up. But it's, it's really kind of brushed under the rug in the episode how Superboy knew the guy's first name. So here is Superboy, a hero in his hometown, and at first I thought Trenton was going to jail, and I thought that would have been enough of this. Uh, this plotline doesn't really deserve much more than this, but we're going to see that it leads to the climax of this story. So Lana is now so scared for Superboy, trying to convince him not to go back. Superboy says he has to go back eventually. You know, he's standing by his values. He has to, and he points out that Lana knows he has to. This was... This wasn't him running away in doubt like he did in Rebirth. This was more of a tactical retreat. He retreated to Smallville 
so he could find some way to defeat them, not to hide because he lost his self-confidence. Lana asked if her staying in Smallville would keep Superboy from going back to Capital City, but he doesn't answer. He just kind of says, I got to go and fly off. I guess uh, that provides all the answer Lana needs, or anyone would need for that matter. So I was getting frustrated when Trenton didn't go to jail because it just meant that this plot line was going to continue forward. And the threesome plot is just much more interesting than this. The plot in Capital City was good. It was interesting, even though I didn't know who Odessa was before the episode. It just It just seemed like it was setting up something good. And then we're to this. And the synopsis says that Trenton called the threesome out to Smallville to take care of Superboy. Unless I missed it, I didn't see anything to indicate that in the episode. I could be wrong. I could have missed it. I'll probably notice it when I'm editing later and I'm going through for the sound clips. But it's not hard to imagine that the incident in the casino made some kind of news service and got into the paper and Lex and them read it in Capital City and said, oh, he's in Smallville? Let's go there. So whether Trenton called them out or they just kind of showed up doesn't really matter. But I guess the one thing in support of Trenton having called them out there is that Trenton spends the rest of the episode working with them. He doesn't really do a whole lot. What when uh, On the rare occasion he takes his hat off, he uh, shows a very impressive male pattern baldness, which is probably why I didn't recognize him much because I was so used to seeing him from the first part with his hat on. And plus, he's not a guy we've seen before, so he's not that recognizable. So, like I said, I had a feeling Superboy kind of showing himself a small bit was a mistake. And Lux comes to Smallville for the first time, and his first words are, what a dump. And apparently the Luthor plot is coming home to Smallville. So here's Clark with uh, sound-canceling headphones. The tool's a very good podcaster. Lana clearly hates the music, and uh, Clark makes a snide remark about her coming in without knocking. I think Lana was offended by Clark's choice of music over them. Like, how could you listen to that? And he's like, well, how could you come into somebody's house without knocking? But... Here you are. And they're going to argue over Superboy. Lana wants him to run. Clark doesn't want him to. I mean, and Clark is asking the big question. Where does he go? Where can he go where the threesome can't find him? Or now they're a foursome. There isn't anywhere Superboy can go that they can't follow. Unless he goes to the North Pole and hides out with the polar bears. There's no Fortress of Solitude yet. And Clark makes that point, gets angry and punches something. And I think Lana was surprised the impact that he made on whatever he made. And they don't actually show us what he broke, but it startled Lana. And then Clark looks at the sink and notices the ripples in the water. He realizes that one set of ripples cancels the other. And he equates that to sound waves. And the sound waves of two waves of one frequency would cancel each other out. I'm not a sound engineer. I don't know if that's the case. Maybe it is. If any of you are more versed in these things than I am, you know, let me know. Clark chases Lana out to find him. Go find Superboy. Go tell him what I discovered. And uh, then she goes and yells at the cop, and his name is Jim, and tells him that he needs to, you know, pick a side in the uh, hometown casino wars. So Odessa and Lex show up first. Then they meet up with Trenton. And then Metallo strolls into the town in this uh, limo and almost like a burgundy limousine. And, and they're all dressed like they're going out for a western. Especially with these with these cowboy like hats that some of them are wearing, you know. Obviously, the cowboy getup is uh, Trenton's uh, gimmick, and uh, Lex looks very uh, Miami Vice in his outfit with the beige blazer and the black t-shirt. 
And adding to the Old West motif, it looks like we're having going to have an Old West-style duel on the streets of Smallville. Although, four against one is not necessarily a duel. So, here we go. Here's the big fight. Superboy just stands there in the middle of the street like an idiot. At least that's what they think. And he gets exposed to kryptonite and runs down the street. He comes back with his lead sheeting and plows Metallo into a produce truck. So, I was guessing his plan here is divide and conquer. Well, he took Metallo out, so that kind of takes care of kryptonite, at least for the moment. I just love the sheer look of panic on Metallo's face. As Superboy flies toward him with this sheet of lead, he's yelling, no, 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 no. And then, bam, right into the corn. That also explains why Superboy just kind of stood there in the middle of the street waiting for the kryptonite to expose, exposing himself to the kryptonite. He uh, needed Metallo to come in close. See? Superboy's using his brain. He's not just a brawler. So now here's Lex with a more uh, sophisticated sonic device. Superboy shows himself to Lex, and then he runs down the street again. <laughs> the same direction in that he uh, went when, when he ran from Metallo. So I can just imagine Superboy just kind of setting all this stuff up, kind of in this back alley uh, before the fight. So Superboy turns on his sonic device and cancels out Lex's machine, which gives him enough time to blow up Lex's machine. And here is uh, Superboy's first mistake. He... Did not blow up his own machine. He didn't have time to go back or didn't think to. Because eventually uh, it'll be used against him later. So, with Metallo's kryptonite and Alexa's device seemingly defeated, at least at this point, Trenton is done with this. And he wants to run into the police station, but it's locked. Which is weird, because police stations don't close. And with his back against the door, Superboy just gives him this haymaker right in the jaw and breaks the glass on the door. I was momentarily startled by how powerful that punch was. But, you know, as I kind of thought about it later, I he was a little weakened by the kryptonite. So I wonder if Superboy didn't quite know his own strength right now, right here because at the ferocity which he threw this uppercut, I almost expected Trent's head to explode. And then now Jim, uh, the idiot cop, was smiling at Superboy. He said he knew he could do it. I guess Jim kind of wanted out of uh, the deal with Trenton as well. It was clear earlier in the episode that Trenton was kind of, uh, had Jim under his thumb. So, Metallo is out of the picture. At least, you think he is. Trenton is out of the picture. He's, uh, nursing a jaw. Broken jaw, probably. That leaves Luthor and Odessa. And, uh, Lana is still terrified and telling him not to go after them. But, you know, at some point, Superboy tells her that nowhere is safe. And that's true. He had already decided this where he was going to make his stand. After... I didn't mention this uh, before, but after he shoots Lana out of the house, I think she asks him what he's going to do. He doesn't answer her, but he kind of tells us that I'm going to make a stand. That would have been a great moment for a shirt rip, but we don't get it. But, you know, Superboy tells her nowhere is safe. That's true. No matter where you go or what you do, there's a danger. There's a danger every time you get in the car, cross the street, or do anything, really. If you let fear stop you, you'll be paralyzed and... uh you kind of see that in the real world with some of these uh, COVID-19 reopenings. You know, certain people are so terrified to move forward without guarantees that are 100% ironclad, but there is no such thing. Nothing is perfect. You can't make anything completely safe. You know, I expect to be safe when I go out to my mailbox and check my mail in front of the at the end of my driveway, but there's always that random occurrence that could make it unsafe. So, you know, you can't. Avoid danger. So, next uh, we go into this thrift shop, and at first it's not quite obvious what we're using this for, but it becomes so in a minute. 
Metallo gets himself out of the corn, and he sees Superboy with what he thinks is Odessa, but it's not. Which becomes obvious um, about a minute or so after this, or when an exchange between Odessa and Lex confirms that. Because now apparently Odessa has Superboy's spare sonic device, but like I said, he should have destroyed that one too. And they turn it on, and Superboy's eardrums are bleeding again. I, it's time to wonder now, can't he just fly out of range of this thing and burn it with his heat vision from space? You would think his heat vision is accurate enough for that. So now they're walking down the street, and Superboy kind of stumbles into the highway. It is amazing that there is no one else on the street other than our main characters that are dueling. And Superboy's plan was for Metallo to think Odessa betrayed them. We saw Superboy with what I rightly guessed was Lana, dressed as Odessa, and now they're turning on each other. And Odessa orders Metallo to kill Superboy, and he won't. So Metallo tries to choke Odessa, and while he's doing that, Lex just pulls Kryptonite out of his chest. So they took care of Metallo for Superboy, and here comes Lex with the Kryptonite. And uh, after some taunting, Superboy heat visions some dice and knocks Luther out with them. And then the Kryptonite goes to Odessa. And then Lana shows up, and Odessa realizes that Lana disguised herself as her to get them fighting amongst themselves, and it worked. Divide and conquer. They they both knew how much uh, Metallo loves the ladies, how much he was making uh, trying to make passes at Odessa, so they took advantage of that. And now we're going to have uh, Lana and Odessa fight. Superboy finds the uh, sound device and presumably shuts it off at this point. And so while Odessa is choking Lana, Lana grabs a kryptonite and just whacks her in the side of the head with it. And then just throws it down the street. Hopefully she threw it down a sewer or something, but... And it just kind of looks like everyone is down. And then Superboy and Lana are victorious on the streets of Smallville. And Superboy just walks around checking everybody. So I think he's trying to make sure no one's dead. You know, all we see at the end here is Superboy and Lana kind of among the carnage. So... That's it for threesome. I was highly anticipating part two after the stellar part one, but eh, I didn't really care for the poker parlor storyline. It almost feels like the episode ran short a little bit. They needed something to fill the episodes. I mean, you could have just had Clark run home and you didn't really need to contrive a way for Lana to be there because Lana had just gone home in the previous episode because she was feeling some burnout. Any incident would have sufficed to get Lex and... Metallo and Odessa out to Smallville. They didn't necessarily need a call from Trenton. So, you know, just after the part one, this just didn't feel like they stuck the landing. So, let's take another break, play another promo. When I come back, out of luck. Hang around, folks. I'm Captain Benjamin Sisko. Welcome to Deep Space Nine. Red alert. All crew members report to battle stations. Red alert. Shields up. What shields? You start fleet officers! Now start acting like it! Oh, it's just Garrett. Plain, simple, Garrett. Dax, we might have just discovered the first stable wormhole known to exist. The wormhole does bring them our way, doesn't it? Everyone wants a piece of the new frontier. It's what's all to become a leading center of commerce and of scientific exploration. Starfleet, one of our most important posts. Quite a motley crew you've assembled here, Benji. Listen to The Prophets, a Deep Space Nine podcast. And here are your hosts, Andrew Leyland and Paul Spataro. Bloody hell. Oh, I love a woman in uniform. Only on Two True Freaks 
Gmail.com. All right, welcome back, folks. We're going to finish this episode off with Out of Luck. Original broadcast date was February 23rd, 1992. Directed by Robert Weimer. Written by Sandy Fries. Or Sandy Fries. Guest cast included Patrick Cupo as Charlie Carmichael. Jack Swanson as Corrigan. Larry Buckland as Bob. Sam Ayers as Andrew. Steve Dumoshell as Philip. Donald Ferguson as Bennett. Kathy Neff as Mrs. Berger. Trisha Callaghan as nun number one. Kim Gabriel as nun number two. Mindy Branston as the woman. And Craig Thomas as the director. And our synopsis is brought to you by Wikipedia. A petty thief steals a rare coin that supposedly gives him good luck while cursing everyone else around him. He uses his newfound luck to commit robberies, while Superboy keeps finding himself unable to stop the thief due to unusual circumstances. Lana goes to the shop in an attempt to find a way to counteract the curse. Mr. Corgan? Hi, I'm Lana Lang from the Bureau for Extra Normal Matters. You called about a coin that had a curse on it. Oh, yes. Something's come up. I can't talk now. But it'll only take a few minutes. I, I'm afraid not. Can you tell me anything about it? Uh, well, <laughs> legend says that, that whoever possesses the coin can bring catastrophic bad luck to his enemies, and consequently, good luck to himself. Well, it's been nice talking to Miss Lang. Wait, wait, wait. I think she's some kind of cop. Relax. He's getting rid of her. I'm not going to relax until I get that counteracting thing out of him. When you called the Bureau... You sounded very anxious to talk to someone. Pure, I know it. She's FBI. Hold right there. What is this? Carmichael, we don't have time for this now. We got a job to do. Come on. Come on. Come on. I've got friends waiting. They'll know something's wrong. Doesn't matter. As long as I have this. Lana and Corrigan find themselves in a compactor, and Lana uses what she calls an incantation to take the coin's power away. Lana! Superboy! What's wrong? Here, you drive. I'll tell you what's wrong. He knows he's cursed. This thing's about to fall apart as it is. You go blundering in, it's all gonna come crashing down on them. What if he's right? You know I'm right. Remember, you're cursed. No, you're not. On the way over, Mr. Corgan told me about the incantation. I know how to stop the curse. Carlina Ergo Sempris. Shut up. Carlina Ergo Sempris. No, it's too late. No, you can do it. Carlina Ergo Sempris. Carlina Ergo Sempris. Carlina Ergo Sempris. Superboy saved it from the compact. It's all her fault. If it wasn't for that incantation. What incantation? Oh, few words I remembered from high school Latin. It worked, didn't it? I got you to believe in yourself again. It certainly did. Hey, she's crazy. I'm Charlie Carmichael. And I cursed you once, and I'll curse you again. Oh. Where is he? He'd a coin. It's the only reason you nailed me. Just wait. I'll get it back. And when I do...
and the security guard near a bank finds the coin on the floor. Hmm. Must be my lucky day. All right, so this episode is interesting. We start with a spooky lightning storm at a rare coin shop. Looks like the perfect night for a robbery. And it is, as uh, the character here of Charlie Carmichael is uh, breaking into the shop and stealing a bunch of coins. And then he finds a really old one. And apparently the shopkeeper is tied up. And Charlie has found what the, the shopkeeper calls the cursed coin. Apparently it did something to his wife, which is not specified. And the actor playing the shopkeeper... Jack Swanson looks familiar to me as soon as I saw him, but I couldn't place him, but at least not until I looked it up on IMDb. And it showed, outside of this show, pretty much nothing that I really have seen, aside from the 2004 Punisher film with Thomas Jane, in which he played an accountant. I haven't watched that movie in forever. I haven't, but haven't watched it. I didn't dislike it, but I don't remember Jack Swanson's role in it. I'll just say that. But, however... He was one of the Sovereign's advisors in the second part of Roads Not Taken. I'm not sure if he was the one who got killed by the Sovereign or not. I think he was, but I'd have to go back to the episode to, to be sure. And he did a couple of uh, season one episodes, uh, Bird Woman of the Swamps and Mutant. I think Mutant, he might have been the mad scientist type guy. And I don't remember who he was in Bird Woman of the Swamps. I remember both episodes, but don't remember the characters. I wonder if maybe he was... In Bird Woman, he was the guy in that office that Clark and TJ invade to get information out of. Doesn't matter here. Either way, Carmichael is not buying what Corrigan has told him, and he makes off with the cursed coin. And apparently it's going to bring him luck, but curse everyone else. So, Lana and Clark have taken in a movie, Captain Frog. And Lana finds the premise quite ridiculous. It's about a guy who gets bitten by a radioactive frog and gets magical leaping abilities and puts on a green costume and fights crime. Does that sound like any other character from a different company that we might have heard of? You know, maybe one with similar colors and a fetish for arachnids? It seems as though they're making fun of Spider-Man's origin, if you know it well enough. I don't remember if I saw this episode when it aired all those years ago, and I'm not sure back then I would have gotten that it was a reference to Spider-Man. I knew who Spider-Man was at that time. I'm not sure how well I knew his origin. I was probably just... I mean, this was still nine months before the death of Superman, so I really wasn't collecting comics in earnest yet. At least not the way I would be starting uh, when I moved up from... uh, when I moved out of Brooklyn. So, that's when they see a car driving out of control down the street. Head Superboy catches up to it. And I just love the comment from the driver suggesting that Superboy only goes after guys like Metallo or Luthor. But the thief gets some luck as a pole falls, nearly falls on Lana after getting struck by lightning and the Superboy catches it. Then he gets struck by lightning, which freaks them out because lightning doesn't strike in the same place twice. The thief, meanwhile, is shocked that he got away. But then he thinks about the coin and it says, terrible things to anyone who comes near me. So he has good luck, but everyone else near him or was near him at one point, was cursed. Because we're going to find out in a few minutes that this goes on for a couple weeks. Because now it's a couple weeks later, and there's a massive leak right over Clark's desk. Through the dialogue, uh, Matt says Superboy's been having a run of misfortune for weeks, and Matt calls it bad luck. So there's a thief that 
They're calling Mr. Lucky, and that's our, our buddy Carmichael. He robs a bank as an alarm system fails, and the security guard has appendicitis. Alana says things happen. And, well, you know, things do happen, but they don't usually happen all right in a row like that. And Alana is also having a bad day with water. She got splashed by a truck and has just dropped strawberry jam onto her, onto a very unfortunate part of her dress. So now we've got our thief strolling out of, of an electronic store, and apparently this electronic store is can afford an armed security guard. And, of course, his gun jammed at the wrong time. So bad luck on him. Now Superboy is after him, and he pulls the door off the car, and he scared the hell out of these two nuns. What these two nuns are just sitting there in a, in a classic old white car, I don't know, but they said they were parked by a nearly near an identical car. Can you imagine the luck? And then Superboy got struck by lightning again. But at least these nuns have forgiven Superboy for ripping the door off of their car. But the sisters better fasten their seatbelt because otherwise one of them is going to fall out. So Carmichael tells these other guys that he's cursed Superboy and wants them to work for him. So there's this guy Bennett who wants to give Carmichael a chance to prove himself. And uh, he's concerned that Carmichael is uh, biting off more than he can chew and is uh, headed toward a big fall. He's also concerned. But what if somebody comes up with a plan to counteract the curse? But Carmichael is putting on an air of confidence and saying that, well, that can't happen. But, you know, who knows? I guess it can. But me, you know, I was wondering if uh, during all this, something bad should happen to these guys. But I guess it only happens to Carmichael's enemies. So now Clark is looking for some good luck crystals and, or something, you know, to help Superboy out. And uh, now something starts happening as uh, Clark tells Lana that he left his wallet. And uh, when they were walking down the street, the uh, one of the painters here told Lana to avoid walking by the ladder because they're painting, and he obviously doesn't want her to get splattered with it. So after Clark runs off, Lana gets splashed with paint, making her day even worse. So now Superboy uh, interrupts a movie being filmed until something next to them explodes, and they just all kind of look at it. And I love the way the director and this actress kind of Look at Superboy, though he caused the explosion. Apparently, his unlucky streak has been getting around. So Now, Lana goes to meet Corrigan, the uh, shopkeeper, and he chases her out because the criminals are there. Obviously, he doesn't want Lana to get hurt. And this is why Corrigan, who apparently had called the Bureau of External Matters urgently about what's happening here, but now doesn't want to talk, and Lana doesn't understand why. But, you know, it's kind of understandable. The, the criminals are here. He, does, he wants her to go. Carmichael believes in the coin, and now Clark hears some kind of sound that changes the Superboy as uh, Carmichael and company are robbing a Buddha, and he says it's worth about $100 million, and apparently the Superboy shows up, and he's told that the curse will bring bad luck to Carmichael's enemies. Superboy says he doesn't believe in curses, but Carmichael believes in it, and Superboy is kind of stuck holding up the building. Looks like a support column broke or something, and Superboy's kind of stuck in place, and everybody gets away. So Superboy's holding up the building, and... uh Telling the guard, who is apparently the uh, same guard who got worked at the electronics store recently, he got fired because of the incident. And he's telling Superboy how his luck is changing and all that stuff while Superboy's uh, holding up the building. It's the kind of thing my brother-in-law would do. He's kind of running his yap while uh, you're, in the, you're in the middle of something important. So eventually, uh, <laughs> Superboy just yells at the guard to call the police. No, he tells him to shut up. So eventually he calls and... I just groaned when he tells Superboy to stay right there. He's like, yeah, well, like he's holding up the building. Where can he go? 
So now Carmichael is trying to squeeze Corrigan and Lana to get them to talk. Superboy gets the location from the unconscious guy. I really like how Superboy gets angry. Sometimes uh, Gerard Christopher really channels the season one George Reeves from The Adventures of Superman. And I really love seeing that. So now Lana starts reciting the incantation to break the curse. And then Superboy saved them successfully. And I liked how Lana started chanting and then Corrigan started doing it with her. And to make it sound like they were actually doing something that had some kind of effect. And then after Superboy successfully rescued them from the compactor, it looks like Carmichael's luck has ended. And that's when we learned that there was no uh, incantation, just a Latin phrase that Lana happened to remember from high school. So, And then we learned Charlie lost the coin. He dropped it at the building, and our hapless security guard find it, finds it. Maybe he'll put it to better use than Carmichael did. So, not a bad episode. Not a great episode, but it was a lot of fun. The uh, kind of thing I would expect from a Silver or Bronze Age comic. Or even a colored George Reeves episode. This episode was a little too silly for a black and white episode. Maybe one of the colored ones. So, next time we're going to ask, who is Superboy? And then we'll play a game of cat and mouse. Until then, feedback's always welcome. Manascreen at gmail.com. If you want to join the conversation over the Facebook group, just put Manascreen Podcast, your search feed, and the show should come up. You also find the show on Twitter at Manascreencast. Until next time, folks. We're all on the same team. Good night. The Man of Screen Podcast is produced by Mike Zumo, and all opinions expressed on the show are those of Mike Zumo and his guests and no one else. All music and sound clips used on the show are for review purposes only, and no copyright infringement is intended. All music and sound clips are copyright their original copyright owners. The Man of Screen is a member of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network and can be found at www.2truefreaks.com. Emails of this show can be sent to manofscreen at gmail.com. And you can also leave the show a review on iTunes. That will help others find the show. Thank you for listening to the Man of Screen Podcast.